0: You know, someday when uh, I get to heaven and I get in there and I'm presented with my crown, there's going to be several, several large holes in the crown where it looks as though a gem should go. And when I ask the Lord, what happened to that one? He's just going to go like this and point at my dad. <laughs> you want to lose your reward, preach next to your pops <laughs> so you can sing your accolades from the pulpit. Lord, I apologize. For Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your grace and mercy. We thank you so much for this family that you've given us, Lord, that we can fellowship together, Lord, and, and seek your face together, Lord, and, and be open and honest with one another, Lord, loving and forgiving and encouraging one another just as your son Jesus Christ has, Lord. And uh, We just want to be just like him, uh, Lord. We want to be like him. In all of our ways, Father, in our obedience to you, uh, in our need to to be with you, Lord, the same one that he had, Lord, and then the way that he related to people, Father. We want to be like that as well. Give us the heart of Christ. Uh, Lord, equip us and strengthen us in your word. Um, Lord, may we have all the tools that we need to fight the good warfare um, of the gospel of salvation, Lord, and uh, give us also, though, Lord, those tender hearts, uh, Lord, that we would Before we see fault, Lord, we would be looking for the need. Uh We would be looking for how that we could help towards the healing of someone, Father. Before we seek to accuse them, Father, help us not to be Pharisees, uh, but help us to be like Christ Jesus, Lord. We pray that you would have your way in us today, Father. I pray that you would be with those today who are here who need a special touch from your hand. Lord, a healing in their heart or their mind or in their body, Lord, or in their spirit, Lord. Whatever it may be, you know them intimately, Father. You know exactly what it is that each of them needs, and I pray that you administer that to them today, Father, through your word, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This is our manna. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the Old Testament, we're going through uh, the law, and we're going to get into the children of Israel and their travels through the wilderness, and God gave them manna to eat. Jesus Christ said, I am the bread come down from heaven, and the Gospel of John tells us that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, uh, this is your spiritual food. The Word of God is your spiritual food. And what happens, parents, if your kids don't eat all their food? You, we, right, you're going to be big and strong. You've got to eat all your food. you got to eat all your vegetables. You know, all of the, so many of the things and so many of the, the, the wonderful things that we have in, in the kingdom uh, and, and in this body of believers that we have, this worldwide body of believers, there's so many phenomenal authors and artists and all, uh, just all sorts of different kinds of uh, folks that God has risen up to be an encouragement and, and even an example to us. But we have to always understand, we have to always understand the difference between the dessert and the main course. The dessert, and the main course. This is your food. This is your steak. This is your green vegetables, whatever whatever it is that you need to sustain you. That was the miracle, as you see, of the manna, right? The miracle of the manna was that it came down from heaven, and so that even though it tasted like a like a sweet kind of coriander seed kind of bread, it had inside of it. Now here's the coolest part to me. I love this about the word of God, and I love this about the the account of God giving the people manna to eat. The manna had within it every single nutrient, every single thing that each individual person needed in order to be sustained in the wilderness you following the point it had every single thing within it and you couldn't be greedy with it and gather too much uh, because God would allow it to, to to be rotten it would be rotten by the next morning he gave you each day he gave to them exactly what they needed the portion that they needed to sustain them Uh, What they needed to make them healthy, and 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 even though it was all the way back, you know, when four thousand or so years ago, um, you're talking about a huge body of people who had all sorts of different dietary needs, right? just stuff we talk about in our society all the time. Have you read that book Eating for Your Blood Type, or have you read this book? And I was like, I can't deal with gluten. I can't deal with peanuts. I can't do, you know what I mean? I can't deal with diets, for heaven's sakes, You know, but every single person, God knew intimately. And when they picked up their portion of manna, that portion of manna was exactly what they needed. Now look down in your lap. That has, every single day for you, exactly what it is that you need. But the Bible says, they will seek after me, God says, and they will find me when what? They seek after me with all their heart. We have to search the scriptures. We have to know him. We have to follow after him. You know, he wants us to be interested in having a relationship with him. He doesn't want us to go through the motions. So much of what he came to teach and the reason, so much of the reason why the religious leaders hated his guts is because he took spirituality, he took relationship with God out of the hands of the religious people and out of the hands of the church and put it individually into the hands of the people. He was was a revolutionary, Jesus was in a spiritual sense. And he was a threat to man's power and he was a threat to man's greed because he sought to set each person individually free. Free from the bondage, not just of sin and death, but free from the bondage of their own attempts to be something they could never be. That's why when the council church council met and and because so many were going through the church teaching these gentiles, you need to be uh circumcised and you need to follow the laws of Moses and they gathered together and Peter said, "Look, why would we lay a burden upon the gentiles that we neither we nor our forebears were able to to take? We were not able to keep the law, and yet we're going to try to put it on the gentiles?" That's not why Jesus came. He came to set us free. And this is the manna that he has given us. Now, I say that to say this. As we're going through the Old Testament, there's gonna be much of it that you may be like, uh, 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 uh right? Manna. Remember how the children of Israel they're really our examples, kids, right? They are our examples. You remember the first time they ate manna? Oh, manna, manna, yeah. And like oh <laughs> yeah, month six of manna? They didn't feel that way. Oh, 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 I hate men. Oh that we were back in Egypt next to the flesh pots and the leeks and the savory seasoning. Uh, yeah, they were killing you there. Do you remember that? Do you remember the bondage? No, no, but I remember I remember the flesh pots. The manna had every single thing that they needed except the thing that would feed their sinful flesh. And, and look, it's okay to be who you are. You know that? It's okay to be who you are. Jesus Christ didn't come to die on the cross for a better version of you. He didn't come to die on the cross for all that you could be. He came to die on the cross for you as you were. And as you are, that's who he came to die for. He wants all of you. He wants all of you. But he has nothing to offer your flesh. He has nothing to offer your flesh. Now, he knows us. He knows how we are while we dwell in these tents, in this flesh. We are people of passion. We are people uh, of emotion. And we have these things within us. Uh, that's the word the kids use. That trigger us, right? You know whatever. I'm triggered, um, and and so when we come in and we worship and we have music and there's certain things and and certain things that we see and and certain things that we relate to and it makes us feel closer to God. It makes us feel. As though we're having a relationship with God and we're having this wonderful fellowship with God. But we always have to remember, Christians, that God did not send Jesus Christ so that he could feed your flesh. He sent Jesus Christ to redeem your soul and then to feed it so that you could be grown in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And be being continually conformed into his image and his likeness. That's why Jesus came. That's why God sent His only Son. He wants us to grow in Him. He wants us to stretch out in Him. He wants us to go beyond the things that we know, beyond the things that we're held captive by, and He wants us to push forward in Christ to get someplace that we could never naturally be on our own in our flesh. That's what this walk, that's what this faith is all about. And that's why Jesus came. And that's why he called us to be his disciples, to be followers of him, to be imitators of him. He set for us, the scripture says, an example that we should walk in his steps. That's the word of God made flesh to us. And so as we go through the Old Testament, remember, this is manna. And I can tell you this. You cannot fully understand what we call the New Testament until you understand the Old Testament. Okay? Anybody, any teacher, any church that would seek to do away with the Old Testament, okay, I'm not going to get into all sorts of, you know, they're doing their congregation and themselves a horrible disservice. Because our faith is grounded and rooted in the Old Testament. Remember, when the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and John, and these guys are going around and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not saying to anybody, Turn with me to Second Corinthians. There was no Second Corinthians. There was no Acts. There was no Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There was only the Torah. There wasn't even chapter and verse. And they would go around and they would go into synagogues and they would say, as it was said by the prophet Isaiah, as it was said by the prophet Jeremiah, as Moses said, as Abraham said. And they would preach and prove to people that Jesus Christ was the Messiah of Israel using their own text. The Old Testament is vital. And it's full of amazing truths for you and I. So, as we go through it, Okay, there's going to be stuff that, eh, okay, you might, eh. and then there's going to be stuff that is going to speak to your heart, and there's going to be a lot of stuff that's going to point to Jesus Christ, okay? So we are in Exodus chapter 23, and we're going to pick up in verse 15, Exodus 23, 15. <clears throat> You shall keep... The feast, well, let's go back up. I'm sorry. Verse 14 says, Three times you shall keep a feast to me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. You shall eat unleavened bread seven days as I commanded you. At the time appointed in the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt. And none shall appear before me empty. And the feast of harvest... The first fruits of your labors, which you have sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering at the end of the year, when you have gathered in the fruit of your labors from the field. Three times in the year, all your males shall appear before the Lord God. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread." nor shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until morning. The first of the firstfruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God, and you shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. And you're like, huh? What? First of all, why? And who? <laughs> well, I'll tell you who, the Canaanites. The Canaanites, they would take a kid of the goats and they would chop it up and then they would boil it in its own mother's milk and then they would take that milk and they would spread it out over the land and that was considered a blessing over the land. God was very interested and when he talked to those people about the worship of him, he was very, very concerned that they would never seek to worship him the way the pagans worship their gods. And he calls it out and he says, because in the worship of their gods, they do things that are abominable. They do things that are not okay with me. And so I want you to be very careful how you worship me and how you come before me, that you can come before me in such a manner where I can accept your offering. Remember when Cain sought to offer to God his own version of what was required. The requirement was blood. It's always been blood. The scripture teaches that without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. But Cain was a keeper of the fields and he thought, well, if I bring in some of my best veggies to God and burn God's not a vegetarian, by the way. I love my vegetarians, okay? This is not judgment upon you, but God loves a good barbecue, I can tell you. Oh, we're going to get to that part, I can tell you. And I love God for loving barbecue, because it gives me a reason to be gluttonous, you know. So, sorry. So, God was very concerned with this. This was very important. He wants them to worship him in a specified way because remember Cain, if we get back to that, where we were, sorry. Cain sought to offer to God his version of a sacrifice, his version of an offering. And he said to God, basically in his heart, you need to accept this. This is what I'm offering you, so therefore that's what you need to accept. And God was not pleased with cain 's sacrifice; He was pleased with the sacrifice of his brother Abel, because Abel was a keeper of the flocks, and he would take the finest from his flock, and he would offering it up before God, he would, he would shed its innocent blood, and he would offer it up as a burnt offering before God, and that 's what God required, and that 's what was acceptable and pleasing to God and so when cain 's offering was not acceptable and pleasing to God, and he did not feel that fellowship with God instead of being convicted. Instead Instead of becoming a humble man who would say, What then must I do to have a proper relationship with you? Instead, he got angry. You ever know anybody who was angry with God? I've been angry with God. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. Yeah. Nice going, God. Nice going, you know. I'm just gonna sit over here. And I sit over there, you know, and miserable and angry, and I don't have any peace. Let's feel that tender voice in the heart of God saying, Why is your face downcast? Well, who are you mad at? I love you, man. And everything that I allow in your life and everything that I require of you, even when it hurts, is always for your betterment as far as your relationship with me goes. I'm growing you, son. I'm training you, son. And discipline, it ain't pleasant but it produces a harvest of righteousness. And so God says to Cain, why are you angry? Why are you mad? Just do what's right. ever tell somebody that? Just do what's right. Everything's terrible. Everything's awful. Just do what's right. No. But I'm mad at God. Wait a minute. We... Don't have the right. Sorry to tell you, Americans, but you wait, it's a right you ain't got. And it's to be mad at God. He required a blood sacrifice. Cain was unwilling to make it. And we know the rest. We know how that story goes, right? Didn't work out too well for Cain. I'm going to kill my brother. Then God will have to accept my sacrifice. Brilliant. Brilliant. In a way, that's what the Pharisees did with Jesus. They knew that what he was saying was righteous. Because when he spoke, the word says that the people were in awe of him because he spoke as one who had authority. When he spoke, he spoke with the Spirit of God. And it went straight to the hearts, not only of the people, but of the religious leaders. And they knew that it was right. we got to kill him. Remember the story of Stephen, the first Christian martyr, And he's brought before the Sanhedrin. And he begins to take them through all of Israel's history. And all the things that God accomplished with them. And all the rebellions of the children of Israel. And then he gets to the end and he looks at the Sanhedrin and he says, Which of the prophets have your fathers not stoned? And now you've put to death the Holy One of Israel. And this says that they ripped their robes and gnashed their teeth. Yeah! Because they were cut to the heart. Because he knew it was true. Your faith is a threat. Your faith is a threat. It's not a threat to people's personal safety. It better not be. Your faith is not a threat to, 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 to people's lives in a physical sense in any way, shape, or form. No, no, no. Your faith is much worse. It's a threat to their very heart. Because your faith cuts through all the garbage and all the pretense and the teeter-totter of life that people like to think they can live on. Well, I think that my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, and God has to take into consideration. And you say, no. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are made enemies with Him because we are covered in our own sin. We cannot abide in His presence. We cannot enter into the kingdom while we remain in sin. We need a Savior. We need a sacrifice. And Jesus Christ is the one and only sacrifice ever offered in all of eternity that can provide atonement for sin. He said, I am the way, singular. I am the truth, singular. And I am the life, singular. No one, and I mean no one, goes to the Father except through me. So anytime you hear one of your your wonderful unsaved friends who you love talking about their version of how to get to God, or their version of what's pleasing to God, you better pray. Christian, you love them? Pray, God, I love this brother. God, I love this sister. I got a heart for this person. Lord, give me the words, give me the wisdom, give me the strength, and give me the opportunity to share with them the truth. And here's the kicker, they may not like it. Are we willing, church to accept rejection what did jesus teach his disciples if the world hates you it hated me first and you see time magazine if, if christ were alive today and here's what he would do and it's yeah you know, you'd kill him twice as fast and it'd be probably christians pulling him to the cross because Jesus Christ wouldn't show up and be like, Yeah, I'm here, hair swept back for television. Ah, I got a message for you, and let's get the fog lights. You know. Jesus would show up and he'd be poor and he'd be broke and he'd be simple. And he wouldn't be appealing to my senses. He wouldn't be appealing to my eyes and he wouldn't be appealing to the world. What he would be is a prophet. And what he would be is someone who spoke and proclaimed the Word of God in simplicity and truth and power. And it would cut to the quick. It would cut to the heart of every single so-called Christian who claims to be in Christ and yet lives in open rebellion against him. The Word of God is very simple. And it's very sure. And Jesus doesn't dance. Jesus doesn't dance. That's why they hated him. Because he just wouldn't go along with the plan. He just wouldn't do the things that would make everyone happy. It was always your heart. Your heart. Where is your heart? You've heard the law say, and you've heard your priests say, but I say... They would take it to a whole other level, a level of the heart. And they hated him for it. They hated his guts for it. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to God, and that is through the man Jesus Christ. God wanted to be very, very certain that his kids in the nation of Israel understood. Have we made this, right? You guys get it? right he wanted to be very sure that they understood this is how you approach me and this is how you worship me and i will not accept anything other than what i have prescribed no matter how much you might want it what can we say i believe in god I tell my atheist friends, well, you've got to remember, I believe in the invisible man in the sky, so <laughs> how can you believe that? <laughs> I believe in God. And at that point, any talk of impossibility becomes ridiculous. Right? But people today, I believe in God, I believe in God, Ooh, that, Ooh, that, that can't be, I don't like that. Who cares? What does the word of God say? Here's the great thing about our faith, kids. It's covered, it's dipped, it's dunked, it's glazed, mm, it's deep-fried in grace. In grace. Because if you're sitting here going, well, this isn't what I was wanting to hear today. I feel like a jerk. Good. Now here's what Jesus says. My little jerks. (laughs) I love you. God, I'm a jerk. You're forgiven. I just blew it. You're forgiven. But you didn't see what I did. I did. You're forgiven. Now get up and get walking. I just want to lay here. You'll be forgiven, you know. (laughs) He's so gracious. He's so... What could you hate about Jesus? Unless it's that you don't like what it says to your heart. There's nothing that a Christian should ever do that could, should cause the people of this world to hurt. To hurt. To feel slighted. To feel marginalized. To feel that they don't matter. Nothing. But they ought to be Convicted. Now, earlier in chapter 23, Dad was talking about some of the laws, and God says, You shall not deal with people with partiality, whether they're rich or whether they're poor. What does the scripture tell us in the New Testament? God is no respecter of men. Wow, did you see who got saved? Who cares? Right? I mean, I can't wait. I like to th- i think a lot of weird things. I can't wait to get to heaven. I get my crown that's full of holes and get to the table and get to the fellowship. I can't wait to see who's up front. Who's that? Oh, he's a, a janitor. He cleaned the urinals. He cleaned the urinals at church. Wasn't a man of reputation, and no money. You never even gave him a second thought. And you have no idea what he did for the kingdom. You have no idea what he did for the kingdom and how he did it with humility and with sincerity and with love in his heart. What does the scripture teach us about love? We are clanging gongs and resounding cymbals. Right? You ever have kids and they learn an instrument? Oh, good Lord. Right? And you're like, hey, we're going to burn that thing. Good job. Yeah. I'm taking the batteries out. Yeah. You know. That's what we are if we perform any service for God without love. Without love. Without charity. Towards who? Everybody. Everybody. That's the heart of the Christian. Hey, Paul taught us, don't you get entangled in the affairs of this world. An officer in the military is not to entangle himself in civilian affairs. Right? And as soldiers, every single one of us, men, women, and children, as soldiers in the army of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of heaven, we are not to entangle ourselves in civilian affairs. You feel me? Right? Okay? Facebook? Twitter? Instagram? Slap a slap? You know? Snap crack? Whatever? (laughs) Did you see that? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. You know. Entangled in civilian affairs. You know, I'm like, I'm all twisted up. Lord, why won't you hear my prayers? Ah, you know. Well, I'm not being used this week. Uh. Christian, Jesus Christ came to set you free from bondage, from darkness, from the anger, from the hate, from all that roiling inside. If you feel it, you're not walking in the Spirit. Simple as that. Any part of your life where you're... That ain't the Spirit of God. That's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God brings light. It brings life. It brings truth. And it brings peace. But God's Word is never, ever to be compromised. My buddy Lance, he um, put up a meme one time. Facebook. And... uh, it's a, a, a soldier in armor, and it's very simple. It says, I'm a herald, not a negotiator. I'm a herald, not a negotiator. Well, I don't like this about the church. Well, you know, I think that God, uh, uh. here's the words. What do you, where do you stand on this? What do you think about this? Who cares? Like, like who am I? Like, I barely graduated high school, right? Stumbled and slapped and fell down the stairs through college, right? Finally, one day, I said, I've got to do something, you know? What am I going to do? I found myself married, and, with, you know, i got no insurance or nothing. It's like, she's going to get pregnant eventually, you know? What am I going to do? Sir, this is my conversation. <laughs> and the phone rang. It was Rich Hayward. I got a job for you. Being a sprinkler fitter. Yeah, that's you you need in the sprinkler dinner. <laughs> we already had this conversation when I was 18, and I remember telling you, no. <laughs> Why? Why don't you want to do that? I'm going to be, I'm bound for greatness. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I don't know. <laughs> you got a plan? No. <laughs> I'm bound for greatness. So, I had a wife, and I said, well, I got to do something. I would have punched my foreman in his throat and quit the first day if it wasn't for that beautiful blonde lady. I Oh, thank you. I hated it. I hated it. I didn't know how to read a tape measure. They said, where's your channel locks? Channel whose? Channel what? I don't know what you're talking about. I knew nothing. I didn't know a thing. And they hurt me for it. I have nothing. I have absolutely nothing to offer you or to offer God. Except this. I'm here. I'll go. I'll say it. <laughs> that's it. Is that your heart? I'll go. I'm, I love you. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Well that's congratulations. You're a Christian. That's all it is. That's what God requires. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sorcery. And a haughty spirit as divination. Remember what I said about witches? Just a blurb. You shall not suffer a witch to live. Yikes. Well, yeah, witches. We're gonna wait till Halloween. <laughs> We're gonna stone them, you know. God says <sighs> I think God's always saying, You're a witch. I am not. I have never made a potion in my life, you know. But you're rebellious. But you're proud. But you're arrogant in your heart. Son, daughter, that's witchcraft. That's witchcraft. Wow. Lord, I stand before you condemned. What can I say? Lord Jesus... I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I ask that you'd come into my heart and you'd forgive me of my sins and that you'd be my Lord and my Savior. Would you do that? Guess what the answer is? Yes. And then every time I fall, Lord, could you forgive me? Yes. Lord, could you still use me? Yes. What a great God we serve. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord God, for the truth of it. Thank you, Lord God, for teaching us obedience and what it's supposed to look like. Thank you for the example of your Son, Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to emulate him with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and to love you, Father, and our neighbor as ourself. Help us to do the simplest things, Lord, that you've called us to do, to be obedient to the calling that you've put on each of our hearts, Lord, and give us the opportunities in our lives to preach truth and grace and love, And and forgiveness, Lord, to people that need to hear it so desperately, Lord. Have your way in us. Have your way through us. Lord, be with uh, each of us in our homes, at the places that, that we work. Lord, and help us to be ambassadors for the truth. Help us to be ambassadors of the gospel of grace and peace. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. I pray that you'd be with all my brothers and sisters as they go their way from this place. I pray that you'd watch over them and protect them. I pray that you would cause your face to shine upon them, Lord. I pray that you'd be gracious to them. I pray that by your gentle spirit, Lord, you would move them on the path of righteousness, Lord, closer and closer to you each day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 I love you, fam.